Digital Marketing Radio, episode 139, Social Media Strategy for Senior Executives. DigitalMarketingRadio.com Today's episode is brought to you by AWeber. Build your email list, engage your subscribers, do email the right way. I've arranged a special deal for all Digital Marketing Radio listeners, and that's a 60-day free trial with the email marketing software provider I use, AWeber. Lock in your 60-day free trial, Plus, view a video that I've recorded and the three reasons why I use their service at aweber.com slash DMR. So just go to aweber.com slash DMR to get started today. The Big Interview with David Bain. I'm David Bain and this is Digital Marketing Radio, weekly interviews with online marketing gurus. Catch up with all the previous episodes at digitalmarketingradio.com. Now today I'm joined by someone who consults to boards on social media for business. She's author of The Social Executive, How to Master Social Media and Why It's Good for Business. Welcome to DMR, Dion Lu. Hi David, thanks for having me on the show. Well you can find Dion over at dionlu.com and I'll make sure there's uh, links to that at the show notes over at digitalmarketingradio.com. So, Dion, is it actually a good idea to get all senior executives active on social media or is social media simply not right for some people? Well, there are definitely different views out there um, and I think there's general consensus that regardless of whether or not you think social executives should be there personally, they need to be aware of it. We know that social media is having a massive impact on the way that we do business. Anything from being able to make uh, markets plunge with rogue tweets to uh, driving business opportunities or community engagement. But my personal view, of course, uh, being the social executive and uh, being that my business is in this area, is that um, uh, executives should definitely be using social media personally and uh, should be out there not just as you know the front of their, their brand or particular company, uh, but on a personal human level as well. So roughly, what percentage of senior executives in, in terms of what you've experienced, would you say, are actually active on social media at the moment? Well, it depends on which report you read. Um, so the, the numbers are extremely low, anywhere from around uh, Domo did a report in 2012, and the figures were showing around 8 to 12%. Uh, actually, the uh, recent um, social CEO report came out from Domo last week, and it showed 30%. Now, I think all of us who work in the area of social um, executive strategy know that that figure is um, very overstated because what it does do is it includes executives who have signed up to LinkedIn and many, many senior executives are on LinkedIn, but it doesn't actually mean that they're using it. So many will sign up to LinkedIn um, and kind of use it as a as a, a CV repository rather than as a place for either you know publishing or um, engaging with customers. So I always say that's a little bit like going to a, a cocktail party and standing in the corner. You know, you've actually mm-hmm. got to do something once you're there, which is what social's about. So the figures are low, the figures vary, um, but certainly on on platforms like Twitter, Instagram, um, it is extremely low. 
Right, okay. That, that's incredible that um, even a sign up to LinkedIn would be counted as active in social media because a lot of people just see that as a recruitment tool, as, a, as an online CV rather than somewhere to interact with other people. Yeah, which I think is wrong too. I mean, I think uh, LinkedIn is very much um, a social platform, uh, but where it's different from some something like Twitter, which is a, a an open global um, social platform, um, LinkedIn is more a friend of friend, you know, a referral platform. But certainly I think LinkedIn is very um, misunderstood and it is misunderstood as the place to put your CV or be recruited. And it's far more than that. Um, right now, I think LinkedIn is either the biggest publishing platform uh, on the planet or, or the second biggest. Um, and you can use it as a platform uh, to publish uh, your own content, uh, to, to build an audience, to show thought leadership. Um, you've got LinkedIn groups, you know, they're, they're very varied in um, how engaged they are. Um, but also, you've got the huge back end of LinkedIn now connected to Linda, which is the real-time online training. So LinkedIn is a very sophisticated platform, again, not well understood by many senior executives who aren't getting the full potential out of the platform. But yes, it is social. It's just differently social from something like Twitter. Okay, it's interesting that you do emphasise LinkedIn really to a degree there. Um, does that mean that for senior executives, LinkedIn tends to be the most important platform? Well, I think with any strategy and digital, you, you absolutely know this is a digital marketing strategy yourself. It's going to depend on what you want to achieve and why you're there and what the right fit is for your brand. So there's no cut and paste answer to that. Having said that, um, LinkedIn is definitely a platform that I would recommend all executives um, participate on. And it's also one with which I found they are most comfortable. I think a lot of executives feel there's a higher degree of um, control on LinkedIn because, um, you know, everybody is very visible. There's no real anonymity on the platform. And so it's a world that they're very comfortable with. And certainly I believe it's integral to social executive strategy, but it's not the be all and own, uh, the end all and be all. One social network if it ever was a social network that we hardly hear mentioned nowadays, is Google+. Plus? Yes. Um, <clears throat> is that somewhere that, um, in your opinion, is, is, is dying away in terms of being an effective place to interact with other people? Or is there still potentially a place for that as well? Well, look, I loved Google+. Plus. I, I think it is so sophisticated. Yeah, well, well, no, I do love it. It's, it's so sophisticated. Um, you know, there's so much that you can do on that platform. You know, you could basically hold, uh, you know, boardroom meetings and share them internally. And, you know, the utility is just incredible. But in my experience and also in my very direct experience training executives, it's too difficult for people to learn. Uh, a lot of people, most people don't even know that, you know, you click the, you know, the, the David plus sign on your Gmail and down you go into this uh this really this layer, this social layer on the internet. So it, it hasn't translated into the mainstream in the way that other platforms have, not because it's not fantastic or got huge utility, but just 
I'm not sure what happened there with with the marketing gap um, to, uh, to people. But yeah, I would say from an executive point of view, I don't include it for for that reason. Mm, I mean, I sorry, David, I include it, but I find that it is it's a platform they struggle with, and so um, the focus for me has become more on things like LinkedIn, Twitter. If you're a visual brand, Instagram, and so on, Facebook. Okay, so Twitter as well. That's another one that's gone through a bit of flux um, over the past perhaps even year or so with the change of CEO. Last um, week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they, they've introduced so many different things or, and perhaps even testing public opinion um, with uh, mentioning things like 10,000 character tweets, bringing in the like button instead of favourites as well. Is Has Twitter got a significant future as well uh, for the social executive? Well, I would, uh, I mean, Twitter is something that I absolutely recommend for social executives. And the reason is that Twitter is the only truly open global social media platform that we have. Everything else is essentially some form of friend of friend referral. So Facebook, it's, you know, you've got to basically accept an invitation. Yes, you can have a, a, an open invitation policy. But, but Twitter just allows you that instant access to everybody um, in the world. And I love it. It's my favorite platform. And one of the reasons I love it is because you can connect with people you don't know and have never met around an issue because it's topical or because there's a shared passion. Um, And you can form a relationship and then bring those relationships um, into real life. So for me, Twitter is... um, the really vital way to expose yourself to people and ideas that you wouldn't otherwise necessarily encounter just through um, a, a platform like LinkedIn. I, I was on um, another show a few days ago and um, I asked a question that I thought provoked uh, an interesting response. Uh, so at the point of recording uh, last Tuesday, Twitter was down for a few hours. And I asked um, a few different participants in, the, uh, participants in the show, if Twitter's down, what's your second choice? What other place do you go to? And there wasn't a similar answer um, between everyone in the group. So it struck me that um, there isn't really an alternative to Twitter. There's no other microblogging type network out there. Uh, What's your thoughts on that? Is there anywhere that people could go to if Twitter went downhill? No, there isn't. And I think that's a problem because apart from anything else, Twitter has become absolutely integral, for example, in crisis management. So um, if you look at how we manage crisis these days, you know, whether it's the uh, the Boston bombing or the Mumbai bombings, which is when Twitter first sort of took off and came into its own, it is such an effective way of coordinating people anywhere in the world around, well, a particular issue that's breaking and happening. So I think that Twitter needs to not only continue but in a way be protected because of Mm. the incredible reach it has Um, and not just in crisis, obviously, for news and everything as well. So for Twitter lovers like myself, you sort of watch what's happening with um, a little bit of trepidation. I I would absolutely hate to see anything happen to Twitter. And right now there's no equivalent for that real-time 
deep reach, wide reach um, uh, kind of conversation. Yeah, it's intriguing. I mean, I almost, um, I completely agree with you. I almost think that um, Twitter should be non-profit and it should be similar to something like Wikipedia, something like WordPress, in that it's so integral to the internet and effective communication online. Oh, I couldn't agree more. Totally. Now, one network that we haven't mentioned actually is Facebook. Is Facebook just a place to interact with your friends or can it actually be a decent business communications medium as well? Um, is it a good place for senior execs to interact on as well? Uh, well? I mean, I think that's a really interesting question. And when I wrote my book on social executives in 2014, I very much talked about Facebook as being the new lounge, the place that you go to, you know, my, my idea is that uh, in contemporary society, um, you know, everybody's spread all around the world and in real life we used to have people over for a cup of tea and to see the holiday snaps and now you know people are everywhere so you use Facebook as that kind of lounge room and that was my view in 2014 but um, of course I'm watching all of the platforms all of the time and the one thing that strikes me with Facebook is that it just continues to go um, from strength to strength um, and we're seeing developments on Facebook all the time. For example, uh, one big um, shift that's happening right now is that people are starting to, or publishers are starting to publish um, within the Facebook app. So instead of posting a link to whatever it is, you know, the Times, uh, and following that link to get content, publishers are now starting to publish within the Facebook feed. Because we know that once people are within an app, they don't really want to leave to go somewhere else. There's so much information and we're so overwhelmed. We kind of have our little homes and we want to stick within there and do everything we want to do within that particular home. Um, you know, WhatsApp, the, the messaging platforms are quite a similar example of that where we want to be able to, you know, order our biscuits and have a chat and um, you know, order a cab and whatnot from within the app. So my views on Facebook are changing. Um, I think right now for a senior executive, Facebook is still the place that they're very guarded about. You know, I don't want to let people into that private sphere. So I think it's going to be a personal choice. But over time, I'm, I'm, I, don't, I think I'm going to land up changing my mind about that because it's just becoming too complete a home to be excluded from, from the social executives' uh, repertoire. Yeah, it'll certainly be incredible to see actually what happens with Facebook. There, there is so much happening there. Uh, my challenge is I go onto it and I don't love using it. Um, I, I don't know where everything is. Maybe it's because I don't go onto it enough, but uh, I don't think it's intuitive enough a platform to actually completely understand and love the moment you jump on there. So perhaps it needs to improve the way it's de design is. Uh, what's your thoughts on that? Well, personally, I think the design is brilliant. Um, and I, okay. I, in particular, think the mobile app is, is incredible from an intuitive point of view. Um, so I... Um, I haven't found that problem personally, um, but I do think it's what you're 
referring to there, it's a matter of practice. So again, in 2014, I was not as focused on Facebook as I am now. Um, and so because I was on there um, less frequently, I didn't understand it as well. Um, but I have become far more active on Facebook in the last year. And I have found that with use, it's, it's actually very easy. What is um, fascinating with Facebook, though, is all those sub menus um, and how much it's possible to then sort of dive down into the deeper layers of Facebook. And you're right about David, that requires some time to go and actually work through all of that, because there's so much stuff, so to speak, sitting under that that top design layer that you see when you're when you jump on. One of the reasons I'm intrigued about your uh, maybe differing opinion between Facebook, Facebook and Twitter is because uh, prior to our discussion, I was listening to a conversation that yeah you had that's um, been published on SoundCloud, I think at a radio station in in Australia, and um, the presenter said to you something like, "Well, uh, in your book, uh, I'm afraid I haven't read your book yet, uh, yet, but it's on the, it's on the list." Dion, but, uh, he, he said, <laughs> With 120 he, others. <laughs> yeah, no, but but, but he said he said that. Um, your chapter length on Twitter is about 80 pages and it's, uh, I think, less than 20 pages on Facebook. So it's, it's that, that intrigued me. Yeah, look, I mean, that's still the case. As I say, I'm, I'm, I'm probably just sharing with you that I'm revising my thoughts on Facebook and I'm watching it very closely because it's changing so fast. But absolutely for me, Twitter is my, my favourite and it is the longest chapter in my book because, like you, uh, I think it just needs to be protected for for the benefit of the internet a, as a whole. Um, yeah. And and again, I think there's that whole social and the social change dimension as well of Twitter, the way it's been used uh, in um, social activism and that sort of thing. So by far and away for me, it's, you know, I'm very Twitter first. Um, but I'm just saying that on a personal level, I'm, I'm watching Facebook more closely now. It's an incredible platform, but um, I'm not sure if the investors in the business would um, perhaps share that uh, train of yeah, thought. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> We'll see how it goes. It, it's, it confounds me why they don't. But um, <laughs> yeah, but it, it is it just on that point, David, it is interesting that the thing I hear most about Twitter, again, from the outside in before people learn to use it, is they just don't get what it's about. And people will say, mm. you know, I, I look at Twitter and see all these symbols and how can you say anything meaningful in 140 characters? And it's like, well, those 140 characters are, are just the the starting point for, you know, whether it's a link to, to a blog post, to a video or to a, a conversation thread between people that you can then take into other areas. Um, so I find that people, executives in particular, are highly resistant to Twitter when, again, from a personal point of view, I'm like, wow, how, how could we live without this? It's just such a powerful source of information. I, I call Twitter the, the global brain because um, I think it's one of the most powerful research tools that we have. And you can go from having an interest on something like quantum physics to, you know, chatting to people who are publishing in the area and maybe even being able to look at their papers ahead of them being published and peer-reviewed. And when you start to understand that the access it gives you, I think uh, – it really changes your mind about Twitter. But they haven't been able to conquer that with investors yet. And 
So we'll have to see what happens. Indeed, indeed. Well, coming up, we're going to be learning about the one piece of software that uh, Dion couldn't live without. But first of all, um, a quick, quick interlude. I'd just like to say a big thank you to Eileen's Benin, who had me on as a guest on her Marketing Mentor podcast. Eileen's had me talking about the definition of digital marketing and the hidden benefits of podcasting as well. So you can find Eileen's in her show over at marketing-mentor.com. But let's segue into the second section of our discussion, and that focuses on Dion's thoughts on where digital marketing's been and where it's heading. So starting off with... Software I couldn't live without. So Dion, what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you, it would significantly impact your marketing success? Well, for me, that would be Buffer. Um, so well, that's a that's a platform, but it's um, Buffer is the scheduling tool that I use um, to share and curate all of my content across um, time zones. So um, again, um, for me, and uh, I think there's a bit of a difference here between digital marketing and social media strategy, although they obviously um, are integrated. Um, my focus in social media strategy is sharing great content with relevant audiences um, across time zones and then being able to engage with them. So social strategy is less focused on um, software um, uh, than digital marketing. For digital marketing, it's utterly key. Um, But for me, that would be Buffer um, because it's easy to use. Um, They're absolutely brilliant with their customer service. Um, They walk their talk in terms of being social. So, you know, I chat to uh, the folks at Buffer all the time from Twitter. Um, And I just like the way that you can um, use it very simply to maintain a constant presence uh, across all of your social platforms. And with Buffer, of course, they offer a free version of um, up to... 10 scheduled posts. Um, do you do the paid version or is it just the, the free version that you use? Oh, no, no. I'm a definitely paid version on, on Buffer um, because I will do heaps and heaps of reading. I mean, I, I spend an extraordinary amount of time reading and trying to keep up with what's happening in digital and social. And as you know, it's a, that's a, a full-time job all on its own. And so I might reserve hours and hours for um, reading and I obviously want to share my views and and all the tips I find as a result of that reading on my social platforms. And if I did that all on one day, I'd send out a thousand tweets on one day, and then there'd be a big sort of silent gap um, from Monday to Wednesday when I'm doing things like writing and consulting and running workshops and things. So um, definitely paid version of that. And the other great thing of the uh, paid version is you can add multiple pages for Facebook, for LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, Google+. So it really gives you um, platform breadth as well. Now, we've got a question from Lynch Insights in the chat saying that if you use Buffer, um, then are you not just... um broadcasting to a certain degree your interaction and you're not being real with your followers. Um, I guess, you know, as long as if you're actually um, using Buffer to schedule 
uh, posts occasionally, but you are regularly interacting with people as well, then that's still okay, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think there's a huge difference between automation and scheduling. So automation is basically set and forget and off you go. And I think uh, in terms of what people are really getting pissed off about online, I think automation is something that is problematic. Scheduling is different. Scheduling is about you doing the actual reading, the actual thinking, the actual sharing, and letting that come out across the the world at different times. So if I were only available to talk to people, um, share and talk in real time without buffer, it means I'd never really connect outside of my Australian audience because people in the West Coast of the US might be asleep. But what I do is I put that content out there and then in the morning, you know, I wake up, the first thing I will do is go to my notifications on Twitter and chat back to anybody who's engaged with me. So what there is is a delay in that um, response if I'm sleeping at the time, Um, but it's absolutely real and it's absolutely engaged. The other thing that I find, and I know a lot of Twitter lovers who use Buffer find this, um, and in particular, obviously, my community here in Australia, is um, once you've established those connections, they go into other areas. So you will then email that person, you'll Skype that person, you'll blab that person, you'll text that person, you'll WhatsApp that person. So... No, I think that scheduling allows you to be truly global. And if we only talked to people at the actual time that we were doing something, we would we would um, never reach beyond our own communities. So scheduling is really, really important in a global world. I love your distinction there between scheduling and automation there. I, th- I think that's just so, so important and something just to think about. In fact, um, listeners, I think you should actually um, tweet that. Scheduling is not automation. <laughs> and uh, attribute, it, attribute it to uh, at uh, Dion Liu. Uh, so um, let's see a, a few tweets with that one. That would be great there. But uh, here's a slightly more challenging question. <clears throat> what piece of software don't you use, but you've heard good things about and you intend to try at some point in the near future? Well, I'm hearing a lot about things like um, Optimizely um, and those sorts of pieces of software. I um, am very interested in, um, well, Orber is something that I've heard about a lot as well. Um, I think for me, though, and I know this is this is sort of dodging your question in a way, but the one thing I'm trying not to do as much now is to get distracted by tools and software because in our world there's new new brilliant software and tools coming out every day and I used to be the first person to jump on and try and experiment and I've still got that mindset because I like to have a go at everything and see how it fits with me but in our world I think you could become so distracted by that that you would actually lose your strategic focus Instead, now, what I'm really focused on doing is understanding the people who do do that constant experimentation, the great curators, in a sense, of new tools and new software, and learning and listening from them. So, say, for example, one great site I love is Razor Social. 
which is in the UK. And uh, Ian Cleary is always testing new tools and new software and giving recommendations. So if I want to know what's happening, I need to know where to go. Um, or I might listen to a show like yours and all the experts that you have on. I was watching the great um, program you did at, um, at, at Christmas about where people think digital marketing's going. So I think for me, it's, it's more about knowing who the great curators of that expertise is and then spending some time there and then thinking very hard about how does that apply to me and how does that apply to the people I'm training because otherwise it's just going to be um, endless newness and experimentation. It's quite funny, actually, because um, quite recently, just um, in the last couple of weeks, someone else um, didn't particularly want to see a, a bit of software that they wanted to buy in the future because they didn't want to get distracted about any, anything at all. So in terms of actually staying up with things, then, um, what do you do? Do you actually, um, you, you just, you were saying you just watch um, other shows. Um, do you make a point of making a note of recommendations and maybe revisiting things every three months or so just to to make sure that you're completely up to date with everything? Yeah, I mean, well, one I'm reading all the time and some of the key sources for me of, of content would be Twitter. So clearly I'm, I'm, I'm following people on Twitter who know a lot about tools. Um, you know, Brian Fanzo is another classic example of somebody who's very experimental with tools and I follow him across all of his platforms. Um, yes, I do take notes and I also still do experiments. So, for example, when, uh, when Trevor, who's a, a colleague and a friend, Trevor Young, in Australia said, you've got to try Blab out. I did immediately try Blab out and I just thought, yep, I can see that this works really well. It's really going to work extremely well for people because it's so easy. Um, and then again, that's how, how I got on to you was, uh, uh, you know, there was a lot of, um, I guess, buzz on Twitter when you were doing your, your show at the end of the year with such a cast of um, digital experts um, and Trevor put up a post basically saying this is exactly how Blab should work um, and that this is really where you see Blab coming into its own. So, of course, I immediately went and had a look at that. So, um, and so I am taking notes. I'm then following through, seeing if it has um, utility. Um, so, yes, I do constantly revisit it. But, again, I'm going to go get those tips from a classic again was watching your show at the end of the year where I watched it twice and I watched it end to end and I was fascinated by what people had to say and I went and followed up some of the things they had to say. Um, so I'm interested. It's just that you could get lost in that world forever because there's yes. so much fun stuff happening. <laughs> and I love it's it. It's a vortex. I love sometimes. it. It's great. But, uh, it's just about knowing knowing the line and um, not stepping overwards. But uh, it's challenging occasionally. Um, but um, I'll include links um, to Buffer. Obviously, that was the main tool that you you mentioned there in the show notes. But um, let's uh, move on to. I wish I would have. So I'd like you to look back in the very first day that you're involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do so well? What do you wish that you would have done differently? Oh, I mean, I've, I've just learned so much um, that there's, there are tons of things I would have done differently. Um, first of all, I think I was extremely green um, and, and probably am given the 
the degree of expertise, you need to be uh, an SEO expert. Um, but for example, understanding search engine optimization, that's something that I have learned more and more about um, over the years, uh, a bit of a dark art, um, uh, and obviously one in which you need enormous expertise. But that is something I wish I'd known more about. Um, I, I probably do wish I'd understood more about the power of automation software, um, and it's definitely on my agenda to learn more about that. But again, there, I would actually, even into my own business, I would consult with a digital marketing expert because I don't have the time or the energy or the expertise um, to know, you know, which is the best kind of um you know, webinar automation platform I might use and that sort of thing. So I think that is another um, gap. The other thing that I do wish, though, that I had known more about and done more of, in particular at the start of the business, is video because video is um, just the growth of vid video is incredible. Um, and, uh, yeah, it would have been great to have it there from the get-go on my platform. Yes, you you mentioned marketing automation there, and marketing automation has come on so much over the last couple of years. It's quite yeah. incredible. Um, but I guess the key is there again, um, not to automate things and take away that relationship that you're trying to build with people as well. Yeah, yeah. Moving on to the this or that round, the quick response round. Ten quick <laughs> questions. Just I feel like I'm on here. QI here, by the way. <laughs> Oh, absolutely, yeah. The, the, this is the uh, this is the challenging round. So uh, try not to think about the answer too much. All right. You're only allowed to say the word both on one occasion. So on one ready occasion. To go? All right. Okay. Email or Twitter. Twitter. Audio or video. Video. Affiliates or display advertising. Uh, display advertising. Facebook or Google Plus. Ooh, ooh! Um, I'm going to go Facebook for now, just because of what we talked about. <laughs> uh, online press releases or one-on-one -on -one relations? One-on-one -on -one relations, for sure, definitely. P paid search or SEO? Uh, uh, SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Email. Website or app? Ooh, uh, website. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Hmm, uh, I'm going to go social. And local marketing or global marketing? That's going to be my both. <laughs> it's most people's both there. Um, <laughs> one, th one thing that I didn't expect you to ponder over was website or app. Are, are you contemplating having your own app developed? Um, no, my hesitation there is more just, again, watching trends and what's what's happening. And it's fascinating when you look at what we're doing with our time. Um, we're basically, we're, we're having what our people are talking about as 36-hour days because there's still only 24 hours in the day. 
Um, but we're multitasking a lot. So, for example, we might be on a treadmill doing our 20-minute walk but listening to a podcast. Um, so one of the key um, opportunities for um, marketers is to understand where it is that people will be happy to share time with you. So some people call that interruption marketing, but it's also about where will you find that opportunity for um, multitasking in a sense. Um, and what we've seen looking at how we spend our time is that, you know, obviously there are millions of websites and apps and things that we could choose, but we're tending to really spend our time between five apps. So apps are becoming increasingly like platforms. So you could look at a, a messaging app like WhatsApp, which I use for messaging, um, and which we probably don't understand as well here as, say, in a, in a place like China, where a messaging app like WeChat, I can use it to talk to you, but I can also um, lean over and scan the barcode on the biscuits on my desk. And because my wallet is built into that app, the next day those biscuits will be delivered to me. So there's a lot of talk about how people are building your entire lifestyle um, into a platform like an app. So hence my, my hesitation is not because I'm planning an app, but more because I think what we see happening is that people want to manage the overwhelm by only being in a few places and an app that offers you the ability to do everything you want from within that one platform is certainly something that I see will triumph in the years to come. And I guess if you're a business that doesn't have an app, you still have to be aware of other apps out there that impact how users or potential customers actually interact with you, your business, because they could use that as a communications medium to to find your business to begin with. And that could significantly impact your marketing. So it's absolutely. Yeah, it's and also, I mean, I think you, you want to be, you know, putting a do we want to invest in an app question into your business strategy. So sometimes a business will get a recommendation, well, you know, build an app for that. Um, but with, you know, millions of apps in, in an app store, is that good business strategy? Now, it may be or it may not be, um, but I don't think that a business should just automatically assume they should build an app, but they should be aware that they may be able to be part of another app platform and there may be utility for them in that. That's a bit convoluted, but yes, you're right. Yeah. Um, we've got to be aware of apps, but it doesn't mean we need to build one for our own business. The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single thing to grow your business, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? Well, I actually, I, I saw that came through on uh, on your email and um, I, I thought about it a lot because initially I thought, you know what, I would actually just in, invest in a great designer and in visual design because visual media is so important. But after thinking about it for a while, I thought, no, I would actually get a professional webinar developer um, to do all those webinars I have been planning uh, and to set it up with the right sorts of automation um, uh, on the website. And I would obviously measure that by sign up to uh, courses um, and um, those sorts of sales conversions. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, w webinars are certainly supposedly very good at um, converting people obviously 
training people for an hour or so, then you know people obviously build trust in what you do and you as a person. Then after that, you can uh, offer them the next step if they'd like to take it. So it, it's 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 a very interesting relationship builder and sales tool. Yeah, agree. My number one takeaway. Well, Dion, you've offered so much great advice in the conversation, but what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their businesses? Well, I would say be social. Um, Whether you're a CEO or board member or a professional, be social. Um, I'd say, um, and really think about scheduling um, uh, in terms of growing your global audience but also expanding your own mindset. So be social, be global. That's my number one takeout. Wonderful, wonderful advice. Um, well, thanks so much. Um, what's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? So you can go to my website, which is Dion, D-I-O-N-N-E-L-E-W, DionLu.com. Uh, and obviously I'm on Twitter at um, DionLu as well as all around the web publishing on on medium uh where i'm also at dion lu surprisingly enough so uh yeah but with the website is the first port of call wonderful okay well i'll make sure there's um links to that in the show notes at digitalmarketingradio.com as well fantastic um, yeah so thanks dion and um thanks to uh, dear listener as well if you enjoyed what dion shared today here's how you can help Go to your friend's iPhone and go to the podcast app and search for Digital Marketing Radio. Click on the show and then hit the subscribe button and make them listen too. And finally, I'm also uh, hosting another live show every Friday called This Week in Organic. So head over to thisweekinorganic.com to find out more about that. But that's all for now. Until we meet again, adios and thank you again for uh, joining me, Dion. Thank you. Thanks, David.